to Deeply Disturbing Things, the podcast. I'm Macy. And I'm Naomi. And we're two anxious counselors who like to talk about... Disturbing things. I didn't mean to do that. Sorry. Oh, that was new. No, my mind blanked. I was like, <laughs> what do we like to talk about? I thought you were like wanting us to like say it together in unison no. or something. I mean, no, I just looked at you <laughs> to try to remember why I was here. No, I thought suddenly <laughs> we were like coordinating something. <laughs> it's one of those days where I'd like client stuff back to back I'd meet right before I came here so my brain needs to get into the mode into the mode podcast mode well I have a check-in you'll enjoy yes I have this box here. I would say I've been looking at this box <laughs> this came in the mail like two minutes before you arrived oh my gosh I thought it's we could do an unboxing I feel like I don't see square boxes anymore they're always Amazon okay. long I'll move it away it's sort of obnoxious you know how they always do unboxings on YouTube? Yeah. I thought I would do an unboxing of this. That no one you. can see. No, we'll just describe it. I'm enjoying it. it. <laughs> okay. Okay. So look at this. What is look this? this? Oh my gosh. What? It's a, Why are there a bag. It's a bag. A bag. In a box. In a box. Oh my gosh. Pull out. Are we going to break it? What is it? Oh my God. It's so big. What did you order? It's complicated. You know what this is? No. I have to put my poo in it and send it in the mail. (laughs) Why is it so large? No, I guess they wanted to put a lot of poo in there. It's really big. Fluid in there too? It's probably like some sanitizer or something. That's a lot of sanitizer. Maybe it's like a bidet. You have to like wish out your bottom. Maybe you have to like, yeah, switch it clean. Yeah. That's this is gonna be an adventure in itself. I'll report back. That's disgusting. Don't ever do that to me again. So I went to the doctor last week and they're like Clearly. Um, you're supposed to have a colonoscopy. And I was like, eh, that doesn't sound like a lot of fun. Um, and there and then she said, Well What is supposed to really mean? You know how they have these timelines for things like mammograms and things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she said, Well, there is this option called Cologuard and you can send off a sample and you know if it's fine you're fine but if it tests positive Why then anybody know that like you, that you get so you don't have to have one I don't know but uh now we're informing people so if you're at the colonoscopy colonoscopy age know that you have this option there's an option of getting a mini toilet sent to your house for the day <laughs> So I said, so I mail my poo. <laughs> She's like, you'd be surprised how I've done much it for my dog. poo is going through the mail at all oh, times. Ah, so my doctor said, so it's truth. Again, poor U.S. Postal <laughs> Service having to touch all of this dirty mail because someone doesn't want a colonoscopy. So if this starts, like the test results are fine, yeah. then I don't have to do the colonoscopy. Cool. I know. Congratulations. I would like to avoid that at all costs. No, it totally makes sense. Um, I had a snafu this week for my check-in of, so I was trying to order flowers for a family member. This will get released after she gets the alternative. So I tried to order on this website um, that I did not see had horrible reviews. They delayed it twice and then missed the third delayed delivery date. And I had to call them. They're like, oh, by the way, yeah, no, it's not going to be there until the 29th, which now is like, you know, it's been two weeks. And I was like, I don't trust you people anymore. I want a refund. And she's like, well, I have $35 to your order if it's by next Friday. I was like, she died. 
She died. Give me a refund. Oh, <laughs> and they did. I had to. They were like, no, no, no. This was not like, don't think local florists. This is like one of those big online companies that like contracts with local florists and takes their money. Please don't ever tell people I died to get a refund. I don't want that out in the universe. Really? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't I want have, that thought really loud out there. I'm sure family members have died for you to get out of classes. So no, I have never. What? I have never. That's like, I don't, I don't want to wish anything into existence. I can't promise that. Please. No, I I like, I'm pretty sure I've done that in the past. Uh, so I can't. Somebody I died as an excuse to get out you. of a wedding. Not you. I'm sure I like made up a family member who didn't exist because how are they going to prove it? <laughs> They're, they're not here. You could also just say you don't want to go to the thing. No. Oh, I did lie once a long time ago to my family member. About what? My, about a big event. I'll just disclose it now. <laughs> um, my sister's college graduation, mm. when she graduated from UC Davis, it was a big deal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was a long time ago. Um, and I was just too afraid to fly, and I just didn't want to admit it. didn't want to go. So I told them I had lice. <laughs> that's good that's a good one i'm sorry well it's like now how I, like, I, i'm proud of you for graduating sister like nobody wants your life it's kind of like no i didn't COVID. actually have life i know so i know but they don't want you there if you no they didn't life. want me there they're like oh exactly. no please stay away. yeah it's just like if you have covid now you're like oh you know i haven't taken a test yet but I, i'm sure i can make it no 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 just stay home <laughs> <laughs> we're back in the day at work it'd be like oh sniffles you doing okay you, you, there's some i think ibuprofen in the cabinet <laughs> well that's great that i get to look at your pooper i know i keep looking it. at it i'm like i don't know if i can fill that thing it's a very ominous blue bag too. it's pretty optimistic it very medical it's very medical Ew, you're gonna see everything well look what like it says on the outside of the box exempt human specimen right on the outside so when you, the UPS <laughs> guy just brought it, like he knew he was dropping off a poop box to his house. This so now I'm embarrassed. This lady's gonna poop in this box. Now I'm embarrassed. He's like, do you want to do this later or now? <laughs> Would you I like can circle to, around the block and just come back up. Just like hold it. Save you a trip. Are you, how you are good at squatting. I'm really good. Yeah, I'm really bad at squat. I probably would have fallen into the box. I can agent squat all day. I think that's why I can shoot the duck so good. I can't it's do the it. same muscles. I can't do it. That's why I can't do that. And I can't poop in a box. All right. Sorry. Okay. You get to go first today. Yay. Yay. All right. My um, topic is related to my last topic. Oh. So my last topic was about the Sid Vicious and Nancy Spongen story. And that was set in New York City. Um, I think it was 1978-ish. Mm-hmm. So this story takes place. 20 years later in New York City. Okay. So, so it was really interesting to me to just see how, actually how little <laughs> things had changed, you know, at, at like a deep foundational level. But you, you'll okay. see what I mean. Okay. So there's a lot of parallels. I mean, I almost consider last week like part one and this is part two. I mean, none of the people are related, but just there are a lot of parallels in the story. I'm in disgust. The Club Kids, and the murder of Andre Angel Melendez. Mm, I know nothing about this. You're going to like this. 
because um, you're actually alive when this happens. So maybe you'll That's be really a little more engaged. <laughs> the club kids under ringleader. Hey, I'm super engaged in that. I spit on you. you That's how engaged I was. Yeah. Under ringleader, Michael Alec became a cultural phenomenon in the late 1980s, early 1990s. There was a movie that came out in 2003 called Party Monster. Do you remember that movie? It starred Macaulay Culkin as Michael Alec and Seth Green as James St. James. So this was portraying a Hollywood version of the events I'm about to tell you about. No. Do you know who Macaulay Culkin is? Yes. Ow. Yes. That, that was the roots of hit, Macaulay Culkin. Hit my stuff in the face hard. So in the early 1990s, the club kids were taking over like all the talk shows that were being paraded out on every talk show. They were on Geraldo, they were on Phil Donahue, they were on Joan Rivers, and in the now iconic 1990 Geraldo episode called Nightlife, Agony, and Ecstasy, with three X's. Is that, wait, was that your radio voice? Like, if you were to have a radio show? I don't know. Can you do it again? Nightlife, Agony, and Ecstasy. See, that's how they get their listeners. They pull out their sexy voice. Maybe it's my phone sex voice. Mm. Yes, we've heard that before in past podcasts. So this featured Michael Alec and other New York City club kids. So I, I watched several of these talk show um, episodes on YouTube, and it was just really interesting to see, like, the before of the story I'm going to mm-hmm. tell you. Mm-hmm. So this is an example of like what the club kids like looked like, like the fashion and the, oh, they look the like, attitude, like clowns. It's very like colorful, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but there's like darkness too yeah, yeah, with yeah. it. It's like gothic clowns. Gothic clowns. So the music at the so clubs at this time. Photo above somewhere in that room of that um that uh oh gosh the mm, where did you stay in Portland? At the B&B? At the Airbnb. <laughs> that would be a photo in one of the Airbnb rooms with your one llama. Yeah, we alpaca. Had, we had the alpacas and the Jesus statue outside. Yes. So just put yourself in this club scene. New York City, you know, that's the fashion. That's the style. The music back then was like, um, like D-Light, you know, grooves in the Hollywood. And uh, Crystal Waters, Belinda Carlisle, Heaven, A Place on Earth. Do you know that song? Great song. Heaven is a place on earth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, I know that. Yeah. That, that thing. There you go. <laughs> um, CNC Music Factory is another one. So RuPaul was one of the club kids featured in that Geraldo Ooh. episode and was introduced as the queen of Manhattan. RuPaul is in drag on the show. And what I thought was so cool about watching RuPaul in this talk show episode back in like, what did I say, 91, is that he's always been true to himself. Like the message he was saying on that mm-hmm. show, it's the exact same message he says now, you know, mm-hmm. pro- promoting um, the importance of loving yourself. I mean, so here's a quote from the show. I think it's important to love yourself. Everybody say love. And he still does love. that. He still does that. And like that, I love that. Like just, you know that that is something that is a core belief for RuPaul that is just carried through consistently. Person through the for years. the people. So the club, um, 
that was like the main hub of the club kids culture and the story is called the limelight it was a former episcopalian church built in 1844 so old church that was turned into a club and so between the late 1980s and the end of the 90s this was one of new york city's most infamous clubs marilyn manson played there cindy lopper played there and before it was a dance club, the building had been a drug rehab center, ironically. Mm-hmm. The limelight was where the club kids hung out. They liked to dress up and party. The scene was very LGBTQ friendly, a place where people could be themselves, dress how they wanted, be with who they wanted. There was acceptance there. So late 80s, early 90s is still not, you know, you can't just walk around without possibly being harassed or even experiencing violence or just being who you are. Being a club kid meant you were celebrated for the things that made you an outcast. So it was a safe home for gay kids, drag queens, people that like to wear fairy wings or angel wings or chicken suits. Or colorful clown outfits. What, what have you? I'm seeing like boas and... Yeah, lots creative. of bright, bright colors. The Limelight was owned by Peter Gaddian, who owned other famous New York clubs like the Tunnel and the Palladium. In the late 1980s, Michael Alec became the ringleader for the club kids. He was described as a Pied Piper by journalist Michael Musto, who covered the nightclub scene. In 1991, years before the murder, Michael Musto wrote in the Village Voice, quote, the bad seed in cha-cha heels Alec will do anything to get a response, even if that response is the deafening sound that accompanies projectile vomiting. He's an arrested child who should be arrested. A cute little dolly that ends up biting your head off, unquote. Wow. So prophetic. Mm-hmm. And I, I watched so many videos of like just raw footage of the scene there. And so Michael Musto on talk shows and things kind of presents himself as like this um, disconnected, objective observer that's like reporting on the scene. Mm-hmm. But I see him in these videos. He's out there. He's like part of it. So <laughs> I saw you, Michael Musto. <laughs> the club kids scene took over where the disco era left off when Andy Warhol died. Mm-hmm. So there was really the notion that downtown was dead. And so the club kids scene like came in to fill that void. When Michael Alec was growing up, he loved horror films and got a rep for being different. He did eventually quit college to become a party promoter. James St. James, who um, is pretty famous in the scene, uh, was an 80s, what they're called, celebutants. So these were like the trust fund kids who had VIP Mm -hmm. treatment at the clubs. And he was initially annoyed that Michael Alec was kind of coming in and taking over the scene. It's like, who is this kid? Um, but eventually, you know, James St. James got on board. You have to get on board or, you know. It's definitely a, a mainstay in the scene. And uh, he has a show that I was watching that's mm-hmm. on World of Wonder. Everything was shocking, humorous, purposefully contrary, trying to be NPC. And Michael sold Peter Gaddian on the idea to do a weekly party at the limelight called Disco 2000. So this was really 
Michael Alex chance to just build up the party scene of his dreams. So this was like a party every week. And I don't know if I could party every week. That'd be so hard. There were even commercials, like TV commercials to advertise the event. And then they had like characters that would go to the car the parties dressed up like Claire the chicken, <laughs> I see the bear. That's there's a, fun. There's a dog. Sex was a component of the parties. Mm. And Michael Alec also threw these illegal outlaw parties. So there would be like a surprise location. This is before the cell phone. So mm-hmm. the, it was word of mouth um, right up before the event. So they would break into places like Burger King or a donut store in the middle of the night or ha- throw something <laughs> impromptu. It was kind of like a flash mob in yeah, the New York yeah, yeah. subway. So they'd come in really quick, party super, super hard. And then... You know, the police would show up and that was like the highlight of the night. Everyone would take off. And um, I mean, you know what that's like, like the police show up to the party. Everybody starts running everywhere. I mean, I don't, but I understand in concept what you're saying. Okay. The idea is everybody run. They're not going to be able to catch everybody. They'll catch some. Ones that deserve a catching. That's why I don't. <laughs> that's why I don't do these things. It would be me. I'd be like, "You're right. I was out too late. I'm really sorry." Hey, I could run away in a zigzag direction <laughs> to avoid the gunshots. Is that the? Yeah, it's a strategy. Because <laughs> they're gonna. I'm shoot a master you. strategist. Oh, did you jump fences? I could hop a fence with the best of them. That was actually a bragging right for me as a child that I how good I could hop fences. In my hood. It was a sign of things to come. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so a quintessential club kids outfit might be a unitard with an open butt. The clothes were childish and silly, but also obscene and disturbing. Okay. So it was like embrace your inner freak and cover it with glitter. Kind of reminds me a bit of like when we talked about like furries a bit, like it's cute on the surface, but it's also it's also candy. like my expression. Yeah, it's like who I am in a lot of ways, and it can be frisky depending on what parties you go to. Depending on if you have the fetish. The fetish to go with the outfits. So Angel Melendez, who's known as Angel on the scene, was another club kid who allegedly dealt drugs. Allegedly. Allegedly. So the Disco 2000 held an event called Blood Feast that Michael Alec, remember he's promoting and putting together, producing these parties. And this was inspired by a movie that he was obsessed with when he was younger. And in horrible foreshadowing, the promo materials for the event said, quote, legs cut off, unquote. What? Mm-hmm. That's like a weird thing to just say. Well, that movie Blood Feast features something some like dismemberment. That? Yes. I see. Okay. So shock was valuable on the scene. Um, there were notables at the club like the human pee drinker and Ida Slapter, the champagne enema lady. Okay. And I think Ida Slapter would have been a badass derby name. Right? I know. I instantly thought of Ida Beachwest. Yes. So. yes. so this is the era <laughs> of, you know, the Jim Rose Circus. Do you, do you remember that? Yeah. Um, so that's Seattle based okay. and would be like Lollapalooza and stuff. So that oh, was like okay. the freak show yeah, 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 where they'd have people doing crazy stuff, like um, swinging around things of concrete from 
chains attached to your nipples, like those kind of things. Champagne enemas. Champagne enemas. Michael was becoming increasingly erratic and outrageous. And he got away with a lot of bad behavior by being charming. Mm -hmm. And there were lots of drugs. (laughs) And when everyone's on drugs, most things look okay. (laughs) Rohypnol, ecstasy, um, were, you know, really popular on the scene. But one of Michael's favorite drugs was the animal trank ketamine, a.k.a. Special K. Okay. And James St. James, in a, a great moment in a documentary, described the experience of K-Land. He said, you don't know who you are or where you are, but everything just makes sense. He said, it was what all the club kids wanted, to have their own little world. So mm-hmm. ketamine, special K, was very popular on the scene, rohypnol, ecstasy, which I've never done any of those. Yeah. I mean, quite, I, the, quite the combo. I was pretty much in my like few drugs. You know, I didn't really expand. Me too. I was like three, so. But I mean, when I was in high school. Okay. When I was in high school, I tried weed once. It made me. It made me paranoid. Wow. And I I couldn't inhale it right, and I got really self conscious about it because everyone else looked like they were affected. Yeah. I smoked weed for years and years and didn't get high. And then all of a sudden one day I'm like, oh, I get it now. Yeah. Like, I mean, in hindsight, I understand. <laughs> At the time, I, I it, yeah, <laughs> I was not a cool kid. Um, where was it? Okay. So but- not saying that you have to be cool. No, not saying they have to do drugs to be cool. No, you don't. Maybe I would have was- done ecstasy. No, I would have. I straight up would have back in the day. If you could. When I was in high school. It's just, it it never really like lined up with my, I was always like not in the right place at the right time. Like I remember I was going to a party, like specifically it was like an ecstasy dance on the beach party. And then like something happened, like my car broke down. So it was just like, I got invited. It just didn't work out. To one of those like Halloween parties. And I I just thought it was a Halloween party. And I got there and it was very clear everyone was on drugs. And then I ended up going back (laughs) home. Just because like being sober walking into like, oh, you guys are miles away from me right now. (laughs) I'm just going to step out while you don't know. Yeah, you don't want to play catch up in that situation. Um, So those are the drugs they're into. But then Michael Alex's group moved on to heroin so this is the part process that happens when you just need to make things more and more extreme Mm -hmm. so another parallel between um, the Sid and Nancy story so every day Michael was on every day Michael was on cocaine and heroin and rohypnol and ketamine every day and the occasional Uh, crack and ecstasy just to spice things up I guess that doesn't work Drugs just took over every aspect of his life. So this is the scene. I mean, you know, it it feels like extreme to us, but if you're in the scene, it just becomes normalized because maybe you just, you know, you start with some X and then, you know, everybody's doing the K. So you add that in and it just grows. So uh, Peter Gaddian, the club owner, would book a week at a hotel and like call it a vacation and just throw drug binge parties. 
Vegas. Mm-hmm. And at one of these, Michael Alec. Prior to hotels taking your credit card for damages. Well, is this why I have to do that now? No, I think that it just didn't matter. It wasn't relevant. They'd pay it. Yeah, I think Peter Gaddin probably had money and it was like not important. Uh, consequences be damned, I guess, is the motto. Mm. So at one one of these parties, Michael actually overdosed, his heart stopped, but he was revived. So another parallel between mm-hmm. the topic last week. Drugs became the driving force of the club scene. So people were just effed up on what they called party favors. So Coke, K, ecstasy, Rohypnol, all on board at the same time which I can't imagine. Mm-hmm. In 1995, federal agents raided and padlocked the limelight to the club. And they started investigating the owner, Peter. After the raid, Angel, who was working um, as a bartender there, was fired and he moved in with Michael Alec and Michael Alec's roommate, Freeze, who is, was also allegedly a drug dealer. So in this setup, Michael regularly used up all of Angel's drugs that were for selling during parties, Mm. just using thousands and thousands of Angel's drugs. So really like a lack of respect. Yeah. You know. (laughs) That's where when addiction starts taking over, you have no friends anymore. Well, he's still, at this time, he's still, you know, uh, a ringleader. Yeah. So they probably gave it to him and there was no... No, no, Angel would like be out somewhere and come back. And I imagine, you know, Michael Alec would just be like, sorry, (laughs) we got into your stash, used it all, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars worth. Okay, here things turn. Hmm. Angel disappeared on March 17th, 1996. At this same time, Michael had this huge gash on the back of his neck, and he also dyed his hair red, which stained his hands. The documentary I watched never explained the relevance of that, but it seems relevant, so I thought I would mention it. Okay. So Johnny Melendez began looking for his missing brother, Angel. Oh, and interestingly, the documentary I watched was like, a year after this happened so mm-hmm. it was pretty close it was well, close to the events and my first thought is well did you dye your hair so your hands are red to cover up blood stains yeah i mean it was weird they mentioned in the documentary they really didn't like say like what happened to his neck like why was he yeah, bleeding i don't understand but go on yeah i just thought i'd mention it you can, you can it seemed like a clue mm-hmm. it does <laughs> that was never explained it's so, so please, please take so drink. Johnny Melendez began looking for his missing brother Angel. Yeah, I was he filled out a missing persons report. Um, so he did fill out a missing okay. persons report, but it says the police did not investigate. So this mm. is a story we've told before, and I think story it's because many times this you know this population, this culture maybe was, you know, outsiders. And, and so it were, wasn't worth looking into. And they were already being investigated for being like party scene stuff. So it could be bias already aside from like, why are we bias. looking into these druggies, mm-hmm. these freaks? Obviously they're going to disappear. So um, the brother began looking into it himself. 
he put up flyers offering a $4,000 reward for information that would lead to the whereabouts of Angel. So we talked to a lot of people and a lot of the people knew Angel, but nobody told him where he was, but rumors started going around. One rumor was that Angel's head was cut off and was in someone's freezer in Brooklyn. Not the kind of rumors you want to hear as a family member. No, when you're looking for your brother. Another rumor was the hands were cut off and somebody in Staten Island had them. Why? Who are these people taking them places? Like Another rumor was that Freeze, who was Michael Alex's drug dealer roommate, allegedly had fucked the body after he was dead. Another rumor was that he was put under a dumpster. But everybody thought Michael was involved. Everybody. Okay. Angel's brother tried to confront Michael, like you talk to him, mm-hmm. but he said Michael wouldn't look him in the eyes. And Angel and his brother like looked a lot alike. And so he thought maybe that was just distressing Michael and making him like feel really guilty. Um, he said that Michael was definitely acting guilty. Mm-hmm. And they knew each other pretty well. So. so three months before his arrest, Michael Alec spoke on camera about how he was a target because he was with Angel the day before he disappeared that he had his own ideas his own theories about what happened sure michael confided with others including his mom about what had happened he called her in the middle of the night frantically talking about murdering angel mm-hmm. and that he didn't know how to get rid of the tiny pieces what what mm-hmm. what yeah i mean he's already gone a step at that point so he's my telling everybody, like, everybody knows he's he's uh, involved. Everybody says he's involved. He's telling people. Mm-hmm. Yet, okay, uh, yeah. case is not investigated. One of the club kids, Gitsy, wrote about the incident in her diary, saying it involved money and a hammer and drugs. Mm. He cut off the legs, she wrote, referring to Michael, and threw them in the garbage. And then he put the rest of the body in a box. And then she said, I actually sat next to it, not knowing. Recently, him and Freeze threw the box in the river. That is crazy and sick, but I still love him. Gitsy thought if they could just get Michael sober, there could be some kind of resolution. I mean... So Gitsy's like... Maybe... (laughs) super cute she's in this documentary so like Mm -hmm. about a year after the events telling her story so she said that Gitsy, that she and michael fled new york after he confessed the murder to her they decided to go to denver kind of bonnie and clyding it and but they were so like high and dysfunctional that it took them five weeks to get to denver to drive to denver 14 hour trip folks Michael thought he could get to Denver with five bags of heroin. Um, but I think that got <laughs> snacked on on the way. <laughs> Where did you put the snack? Oh, <laughs> this will do. So they're out on the road. Michael could never get enough drugs. He was addicted to heroin at this point. They broke into a veterinary clinic to steal K. Wow. 
Michael ultimately missed New York, so they headed back. And when they get back, Angel's murder is the front page news all over the city mm. with headlines like club to death. You would think that he would look at those headlines prior to moving back to New York. Uh, the piece, this piece started out cocaine for breakfast, heroin as a night club, nightcap. Michael Alec was New York's most notorious club kid. The boy who always knew where the party was and who had the drugs to keep it going. This is a, a, a newspaper headline that he's coming back to. And still, nobody's out looking for him. Well, experience me. Yeah, I mean, it goes back to, I mean, with everybody indi- knows indigenous women, LGBT, LGBT people of people color, of yes. people of color. It'll just be kind of this. Well, well, they probably deserved it. Mentality from police. Um, we, if we don't look into it, nobody's going to make a fuss. Yeah, and if we look into it, that could endanger us politically, or I won't get revoted in by my people who need to view me a certain way. Too much politics in a human rights issue. Like help help people. So I was just getting so infuriated. I'm like, it's it's in the paper. It just says it right there, police. Just look at your paper. You know who to go get. Um, so everybody is just whispering about it. They're whispering about murder, dismemberment, Michael Alec. So this is the scene he comes back to. Meanwhile, Michael's like, I'm going to make a comeback on the scene <laughs> i mean in the balls <laughs> of that like really? you're gonna murder someone allegedly and then want to be popular again yep 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 it's feeling like yellow jackets to me <laughs> <laughs> so a few weeks earlier police had identified the body in the box as angel melendez mm. so finally now that they have a there's a body some some piece for the brother. Yeah, so this is, you know, in the river. Uh, now the cops showed up at Michael's motel room. And they have to. Because now there's a body. And Michael's roommate, Freeze, was arrested the same day. Within hours, his roommate confessed. So I want to read excerpts from his written confession. This Ooh, is Freeze's written ready. confession. On a Sunday in March, 1996, I was at home in my bedroom with a friend. In the other bedroom, Michael Alec and Angel Melendez were loudly arguing. I, at one point, heard a little crash like glass breaking. Then I heard the argument progressing and getting louder. I opened the door to the room. Michael was yelling, help me, get him off me. Angel briefly turned and said, stay out. Then he grabbed Michael and started shaking him violently and I grabbed a hammer. I stepped forward and hit Angel over the head. I hit him a third time and he went down. Michael got in his chest and was strangling him, then took a pillow and put it over Angel's face. When I returned, Michael was beside the body again and Michael was pouring something from the bathroom, some cleaner or chemical into Angel's mouth. He then started wrapping tape around his mouth. He asked for the duct tape from the closet and said, you have to help me. So I helped him finish wrapping the tape around Angel's mouth. Angel was then undressed down to his underwear. 
Michael said, help me put him in the tub. So we carried him to the tub and closed the bathroom door. About five to seven days later, Michael and I decided we had to do something about this terrible mess. <laughs> Michael told me that if I gave him 10 bags of heroin, he would take care of this part. So I did. Wow. And he went into the bathroom alone and cut off both of Angel's legs. Michael put the remainder of the body into a large plastic garbage bag. He then put the whole bundle into a large box. A few hours later, we took the box into the elevator and out through the main lobby into a yellow cab that happened to be outside the door. And we took the body to the West Highway around 25th Street and we threw the box into the river, unquote. Okay. Okay. First of all, the guy that hit him with the hammer three times, that feels like it could have at least been defended as I was helping protect somebody. It was the only way I could get him to stop. I mean, three is excessive, but still it's, and Michael's almost making it sound like here, I'm going to protect you. Give me 10 bags of heroin. I'll do this for you because you're in trouble. But Michael was the one who strangled him, mm-hmm. put a pillow over his face, poured like something into, into his mouth, actually yeah. trying to kill him. Where the other guy was like defense trying to help. Yeah. And I'm I'm confused why why the legs had to be cut off. Well, to fit they, him in a bag. But everything went into the same box. So I, I guess that just confuses me. Well, because the body goes into rigor mortis. So it's stiffer. You can't just fold up uh, the body in a box. I guess. I guess so. I guess. I mean, I mean I'm the just... thought of dismemberment to me is so horrific. I and, think... and I just wonder, Michael Alec was obsessed with that blood fused movie where they cut mm-hmm. off the legs. So did that come into play? I mean, it could have. It's probably a lot of emotions at the time to be like reminiscent of your favorite movie. Um, But I don't know what drugs he was on either at that moment. A lot, a lot of drugs, yeah. To make that tall, but you know, but it took them five, what five, six days to even dismember five to seven days. I think at that point, I I think probably an odor. Yeah, I think at that point it became necessity, not drug fueled, whatever. How sad. How sad for for Angel. Yeah. Angel. Freeze and Michael had put Angel's body in the bathtub and filled the bathtub with Drano ice and baking soda. Days later, the body was cut up and dumped in the Hudson River. Michael had told a lot of people about this. And again, I just want to say it's insane that it took so long for it to be looked into. Which means nobody was interviewed. No. And everybody knew about it. Everybody. Mm-mm. Uh, the police only pursued the case. It'd be like case. someone at your work killing someone and like, you know about it. Talked about, about it. Talked about it. It's it a lot of lunch. Yeah. And you're like, but why are they still, they're still sitting in And it's room? like the headline, the cover of the Inlander, it says it. Like it says the, the killer's name. Wait, they're running for <laughs> office president? What? Yeah. <laughs> so it took nine months wow. until the police pursued the case. That's insanity, but again, a theme. A sad theme. Michael and Freeze pleaded guilty to manslaughter in 97. Um, he had no history of violence. And Michael was sentenced to 10 to 20 years. In prison, Michael expressed regret, saying he wished it had never happened. His mom stood by him through everything. 
uh, Gitsy died of a drug overdose in 98, so just shortly after the documentary. Peter Gaddian was tried on charges of racketeering and drug conspiracy. He was acquitted on everything. Gitsy's death had been a blow to the case because she was a potential witness. James St. James, who is wonderful to watch, if you have a chance to watch any interviews or videos, he's very charming and entertaining. He now works for World of Wonder, um, the um, empire that RuPaul's shows are, are part of, and it's a show called Transformations. So he was a New York City club kid from the beginning. Freeze was released from prison in 2010. Mm. In 2012, it was reported he was working on his PhD at NYU in sociology. Yeah, I mean... I love rehab stories. No, that's good. Michael Alec was released in 2014 after serving 17 years in prison. In 2017, Michael Alec said he was trying to reinvent himself. Um, He said the Party Monster movie upset him because it portrayed the event as premeditative and him as callous and uncaring. He really took offense to a scene that he said that was fictitious that showed him having a party in the apartment while the body was there. Mm. Yeah. And I could see that being upsetting because he is charismatic. Like he's the light. So he's obviously a very compassionate person, but if you put that combo of drugs in anybody, I'm not saying it's by no means right. It by no means excuses behavior, but that doesn't mean that him as a person is. Yes that drugs change people the killing of angel almost certainly would not have happened if alec and the others in the room at the time had not been on drugs totally but alec in interviews after his release from prison um he was very careful to avoid the drugs maybe maybe do it thing mm-hmm. because um a condition of rehab and parole is that you have to take accountability Mm-hmm. for your crime, mm-hmm. which I learned. I didn't realize that. Mm-hmm. So like the moral, um, whatever. Yeah. Crap. You can't like, like a program blame. Yeah. You have to like say your own responsibility. So he said, I was responsible because I made the decision to do drugs. Mm-hmm. And when I made that yeah, decision, absolutely. I wasn't on drugs, which I thought was yeah a really unique perspective. I had not heard that before. Yeah. And no, I really like that because it goes back to, there was an initial choice Yes, there's a, you know, addiction is not as easy as saying no. It just isn't. But I, I like that he took accountability. Yeah, but was it real or is it just conditions of parole and rehab? Um, I, I taught in a substance use clinic and they had the, it's like a moral something group that teaches them the moral implications of what they did. And they do have to follow specific rules like that. And one of the things they'll do is they'll have the group members vote. Mm-hmm. So the rest of the group will take a vote if that person gets to pass and move on to the next chapter. So if someone thinks that like you're lying or being dishonest about something, they could veto Ooh. and you have to stay at that level before you get moved forward. So there's a lot of like peer involvement. I too. love that. In 2020, Michael Alec, infamous king of the club kids and murderer, died of a heroin overdose mm-hmm. at age 54. Dang, that's a... He always wanted to be famous, but he became famous for something terrible instead of fabulous. 
The killing of Angel Melendez and the aftermath really destroyed the memory of Club Kids and kind of tarnished it. I can see kind of why I never heard of it. Like, it's kind of a hush-hush, it's a tarnished history. Kind it, of it kind of really stained everything positive mm-hmm. that the Club Kids club kid scene stood for, which was like, love yourself. Mm-hmm. It was like a foundation of positivity that kind of got shit on. So here's a picture of Michael Alec back in the day. Oops. Okay, okay. And here's a picture of Angel Melendez. Mm-hmm. Always wore the angel wings. That's my Did topic. Did the angel wings got killed? I don't know. That's a detail that I did not know. So interesting. I know. It, and isn't it interesting that that's like 20 years after last mm-hmm. week's topic? So okay, some things right. have changed, but some things did not change. Not There's okay. still, you know, the culture, music, excess, murder, and complacency by place still occurs today. It everywhere. Does, it does um, while I'm pulling up my topic, um, we just went through, uh, we have a, a bunch of new subscribers recently. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you. We appreciate each and every one of you. We are very much a grassroots podcast yeah it's just me and macy in my bedroom and we do it we've been doing it for two years now over three 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 years um and uh and it's if you'll never gotten old write us an essay telling us who you are (laughs) and why he's mission in life he really is curious (laughs) about who is that person like we'll see like what do you mean that many downloads in a month who is listening to us and there are, and it's sometimes thrilling, but I'm also like, I want to have a deep connection with each and every one of our followers. I know. So if you care enough to, you can follow us on Instagram. Yeah. Um, and can they message on? I don't DM know. Me. Yeah. DM Naomi. She manages the Insta and she wants to know. Or send us an email. Like, yeah. Where do you come from? What's your life like? Tell us everything. Huh, whatever. I'm going to hear from you, Estonia. Oh, yes. And I do want to give a kudos because for the first time this March, we actually have listeners um, from Ukraine. And Ukraine, Ukraine strong. Yes. And I just, you know, it's a little solace for what's going on right now. But for those who are listening in to get a little escape, um, you know, we, we mm-hmm. care. Make you laugh or for a minute get you out of that or something mental world for a moment <laughs> distract give a distraction you can also message us with how you're doing we would love to hear yeah mm-hmm. what are you going to tell us about me yeah don't look topic? at me don't look at me okay i'm not looking i'm not looking i can't see anything okay i am going to talk about Lies that you were told as a kid that you might still believe today. Oh, I'm very impressionable. So, so I'm excited about this because me too. First of all, me too. And some of these things, I was like, I mean, yeah, I know that wasn't true, but like part of me kind of still wanted to hold on to that thing. Yeah. So, I'm gonna go through 19 things. Oh my god. Oh, I guess I probably shouldn't say what I was about to say. What are you gonna say? I can't. I can't say it. I'll tell you later. I li- like literally cannot say it. It'd be very bad if I said it. Okay, don't say that. Okay. I don't want to have to delete 
things. We don't. We are an unedited podcast, unless scripted and unedited. Obs. Unless on a rare occasion, Naomi has a panic attack. Naomi has a panic attack in the middle of the night because we had wine and something came out of her mouth that like is funny between two friends in a closed room that should not be stated out loud to anybody in the world. Everybody has those things, so don't judge us. Here we go. All right, number one. You ready? Yeah. That sugar will make you hyperactive. Oh. Okay. So, like, did you hear that as a kid? Like, that sugar makes you, like, they're going to have energy. You're going to whatever. Yeah, I mean, sugar wasn't really part of my household growing up because we're hippie hippie people Mm -hmm. and hippie parents. Remember I told you about, like, fiending and going and, like, eating the jello powder just to have a tender (laughs) fix. Sorry, I mean to, I mean to laugh at you. I feel really bad. I mean, I was literally in my grandma's like food pantry, like go 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 with the like sugar. It's president choke. Gosh, I'm so sorry. That was my life. No wonder you jump fences so well. I hop fences. It's called hopping fences in my neighborhood. Hopping fences. Yeah. It was like a thing. It was a thing. Yeah, in Bay Area. Okay, I lived on hella cool. I lived on another Bay Area thing. Five acres in the woods, so there were no fences, and I didn't know my neighbors. <laughs> okay, so this is like an old wives' tale. I don't. I don't like that term. Me neither. We but call it's it something else. An old wives' tale. Who knows? I hate call that. It something different. I hate it. Yeah. It's like an urban legend, maybe. Yeah, let's say that. Okay. So studies have found that children's behavior did not actually change whether they had been fed sugar or not. Mm. What did change, though, in these studies was parents' perception of their child's behavior. Mm. When parents were told their children had been given a lot of sugar, they were more likely to say their child was hyperactive, even when the sugar fix was a placebo. Um, This one seems more like a lie for parents and kids, but like it was common. Like, don't give my kids sugar before, like, they're going to be a hyper, but really it's just the parents' own perception of their kids. I beg to differ on this one. You can beg to differ, but you also like science. So I just want to challenge you. This is a case study. Just of my two kids. Oh, you can have case studies. Okay. um, About your children. Skylar, sugar, caffeine, never affected him at all. Didn't matter. Asher, on the other hand, when he, probably till he was about seven, he could not have sugar because he would freak the F out. Like we would have to drop money on the table, carry him out over our shoulder because it was bad news. (laughs) So he was very limited. And then he grew out of it. Like probably when he was about seven-ish, like it stopped being a thing. But when he was little, no, no sugar for that kid. No juice boxes, no fruit snacks, or you were in for a wild ride wild ride yeah but Skylar nothing okay and 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 maybe I don't know the sample size I won't lie this is my sample size of one that's fine that's fine I'm sure every parent will have their thing statistically irrelevant okay here's this one that gum will stay in your stomach for seven years (laughs) (laughs) I believe this for a really long time I remember as a kid like when I'd swallow my gum I don't know okay but you still did it though right for, yeah, you didn't even change okay, anything. But first, you didn't change your behavior. First of all, I want to know why that was a thing where I'd accidentally swallow my gum. As an adult, 
I've never accidentally stolen. No, I did it on purpose all the time. I didn't do it on purpose. I just felt like it'd be like, oh, I did it on purpose. (laughs) Why? I don't know. I can't remember. Because you were told not to. Actually, uh, I had a counseling session today with parents and a kiddo. And I, I, I said that like, there is research that shows that the more you say no about something to adults or kids, the more likely they are to do that thing. Like our brain is just kind of like, don't do it. Don't do it. You're going to end up doing it. I don't, it wasn't a conscious, like, I'm doing it for this reason. It no. was just like, no, no, no. Your brain. I'm eating this gum and I'm then eating it and now I'm going to swallow it like yes. every other food. Okay. So it's not true, by the way. I used to like, remember, I remember picturing how much gum I must have stored in my stomach. Like I would think about like that. Stuck. Well, yeah, like the, like, okay. Maybe I must... my colonoscopy is going to find <laughs> Seven you know, years decades ago. old mm-hmm. of a bubba stuck to my, maybe my colon. <laughs> so I'll report back if that's the case. This probably comes from the fact that gum doesn't digest well, but from like actual research, it shows that it like, yeah, but I may- everything pretty much comes out. Yeah. Like seven days at most is what doctors say. So it's like not seven years. Like it might stay in your stomach for seven days, but that's it. Right. Right. Okay. So it's just, it doesn't have much nutrition. So your body doesn't, it's like not in a rush to digest it. I do if I'm really anxious because I, when I get anxious, I bite the inside of my mouth. So it keeps me from biting. Um, but not typically. I don't, I don't chew gum. If I chew gum, it's almost like, like if you, have you ever ate sunflower seeds? I, well, okay. That's another horrible thing about me is I ate the whole thing. So I, I had to stop doing it because I think it was like. No, it's kind of an, it's kind of addictive. Oh, and you get the little splinters. Apparently that can no, be No, really I ate bad. the whole thing. <laughs> Wait, what? I would eat the whole sunflower Okay. When? I, I don't have the talent. Like um, You just pop it. You don't well, pop them all and you do one at a time. Well, my ex-husband, because I think it's a farm skill. Like he could do a whole unshelled pack of them on one because side. Because they're used to chewing tobacco and, and they keep you them can do like a cool, like a uh, pass it to the middle, kick the seed off, spit the seed out, swallow no. the seed. Like it was this whole like awesome Did assembly line. Did he chew tobacco? No, no. But Is I he a never, squirrel? I never, he's a squirrel. He must be a squirrel. I never <laughs> knew how to do that in my mouth. And I didn't have the patience to like one by one, like open a seed and like take out the teeny morsel. You of don't meat. take it out of their hand. So you take one at a time, you put it in mouth and you separate it with your tongue and pull out. The yeah, seed. that wasn't satisfying enough. I mean, mm-hmm. really, the only reason I liked eating sunflower seeds was the salt and the flavor. Yeah, yeah. So I would just chew the whole thing up and swallow it. That's so bad for your insides. Like I've literally read articles about how it can like tear up your intestines. I'm sure that happened. And like for men, it, I don't know why men, I read something once that like men it's even worse for. Oh, it's probably something happening. Yeah, don't do that. Okay. Well, I stopped. That's not even in my thing, but don't do that anymore, please. I don't. I'm worried about you. Um. Okay. I'm glad you're worried about me. I'm always worried about you. <laughs> All right. I'm glad somebody is. You can't swim an hour after eating. Oh, yes, I've heard that a lot. <laughs> lies. Is that lies? It's a lie. So the story went that the body sent blood to the stomach and away from your limbs. So while it digested food and such, your limbs would grow drier. Oh, you just like and sink you, to the you'd bottom. you get cramps and then you drown. 
<laughs> Which sounds I have silly. never had a swimming crew. Me neither. Because mean? it's a fucking lie. Well, what is the point okay. though of it? What's okay. the point of the lie? So the, the Mayo Clinic has confirmed that there's absolutely no scientific evidence whatsoever for this. You can eat whatever you want and stuff. Well, wh- where did it come from, though? I mean, it had to have been some kind of cautionary tale. It's an urban legend of, like, don't go. S- I'm, I'm sure it was something, like, just to get kids to not go in the pool. I don't know. Like they wanted them to hang out oh. at, at the picnic You blanket? know what it is? Because they just ate, and they don't want them to poop or pee in the pool. You got to wait at least an hour. Oh. That's just my guess. Well, what about the lake? Who cares if you poop or pee in the lake, right? Maybe your parents in the 50s. I don't know. This is like good. This has been around forever. Somebody probably started this rumor based on some kind of false science and it just spread like wildfire, like a lot of things today. Hold on. Talk about that. What it, about what? Wildfire? No. <laughs> Where did I'm looking it up. I'm like really curious. Um, like what was the point where yeah where did the saying come from that you can't swim and out until an hour right until an that's hour that's a long ass time to wait to swim yeah to which no signs like if you're at the pool well, and you want to swim I mean I don't I don't swim in chlorine pools I think they're gross but um, I used to in the past yeah I mean everything is just kind of going back to this. Um, idea that you're digesting and your limbs won't have you'll energy and you'll just drown like mm. a safety hazard Weird. i mean i do get tired after a big meal that's maybe fact. that's why maybe that's like <laughs> maybe parents need to nap and they can't supervise their kids during that maybe time the parents can't move their limbs they're like oh yeah yeah it's like pixar with uh wally <laughs> um yeah I gave, I had a question today by my team where everyone had to say what Disney or Pixar character they were. And I said, I was Wally mm-hmm. just moving around things that no one cared about, but cared a lot to me. I think they call them mess driven behavior. No, he was very methodical. He took breaks for things he enjoyed. Okay. So myth, not true. Okay. All right. How about, how about you lose more body heat through your head? Oh, yeah. Have you heard this? Yes. How has this impacted your life? Um, it makes me want to wear a hat, and it makes me tell my kids to wear hats when it's cold. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So this rumor is kind of why a lot of people wear hats in winter. The study that this common misperception was based on had a lot of additional factors that skewed the results of this study, but there's been countless follow-up studies that over and over and over again, the real reason you lose more body heat through your head is because in cold weather, your head is the part of you that mo- is most likely not covered up. So wear a hat, but also be sure to wear pants. <laughs> not me. <laughs> I just love this cut. Like, yeah, if you don't. No, I'm, I'm less cold on my legs than my upper part of my but body. But do you wear pants? Not always. No, look, I'm not wearing pants in today. In the winter. No, I don't always. But I have to wear like insane amounts of coats. Okay. Like the top part of my body gets way more cold than the bottom, bottom part of my part body. Of body. So what research shows is like, yeah, your head may lose more heat because it doesn't have clothes on like the rest of your body. 
but we also wear pants. And if but it's you, not like all your heat is like shooting up the heaven. Yeah, it's not like this it's concept. It's not like a volcano of heat. The way that I viewed it was like the top of your, your head, like keep that sacred and keep it warm or you will die. Like mm. my ears do get cold. So my hat does help with the ear coldness. Gonna, yes, hats keep your head warm. Hair also keeps your head warm. Yes, hair like does. If you have short hair or if you have your keeps hair in a pony, harder to it's going to feel warm. cold. Yep, absolutely. Okay. Okay. That your tongue has different sections for different tastes. Oh, yeah, I heard that. Yeah. But I never could figure out how that worked. Like, I tried. I'm like, oh, but I taste everything everywhere. How does that work? Total lies. <sighs> While some individual taste buds taste certain flavors more strongly, they aren't located in certain areas of your mouth. And I swear to you, before I researched this today, I believe this still. The science experts at the Smithsonian confirmed that this is a lie. Indeed, the results from a number of experiments indicate that all areas of the mouth containing taste buds, including several parts of the tongue, the soft palate, so the roof of your mouth and your throat, are sensitive to all taste qualities. Do you have the taste qualities listed? Because I have issue with this. Um, at least adults weren't trying to lie. And okay, so. I don't have the mapping in front of me, but that's what they're saying I is there is no sweet, mapping. Salty, wrong, bitter. No, not the mapping, but the yeah. taste. So it's well, sweet, it, salty, bitter. Yes. Um, savory. Yeah. So like, it's basically saying that are like, the, are those the main four? Yeah. yeah. Okay. You you finish your thing and I'll take. I'll get, yeah, that's I'll put fine. my issue in. I was going to say that they're, they're not saying that it doesn't taste things differently. Different taste buds may have different, like, um, may pick up different flavors more strongly. But there isn't a region of your tongue that only does one thing. No, I agree with that because I could never figure that out. Here's my issue. Mm -hmm. Umami. I think umami is lies. I think umami is not different than savory. How what's is it, it what's different? What's umami? It was a new um, I don't even know what that is. taste quality that came out maybe, I don't know, 20, 30 years ago. And I just don't see that that's a new different thing. It's like soy sauce kind of flavor. The salt. Umami. Yeah, it's salty. Or it's, will you look at the four flavors or the okay. five flavors? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I'm not sure if savory is one of them. Okay, so there's sweet, salty, bitter, sour. Five flavors of taste. Sweet, sour, salty, bitter, and umami. umami yeah. What? Umami is a pack of lies. I think umami is salty. How it's I don't see how it's different and unique. So I, I did this and instantly it popped up a picture of a tongue with regions of flavor, which is wrong. You're spreading wrong. lies. New, is newlywedsfoods.com. Ew, newlywedsfoods.com. But, but this one here, so it says okay. umami Sweet, is sour, salty, bitter. Those those are the original four, mm -hmm. and then they added in umami, okay. which I think is salt. It's the same as salty. So it's saying it is to ensure adequate intake of proteins for proper growth in the body. I, my personal opinion is umami is a pack of lies. Soy sauce, Parmesan cheese, etc. That was salty. Who are these people? You're a liar. Okay, we'll add that to our myth list. Umami. Umami is a myth. The myth. According to Naomi. Case study, Naomi. Yes. All right, here we go. 
<laughs> that cracking your knuckles would give you arthritis. I Oh, I've heard that. I yeah. swear I got a complex about this. I had a babysitter one time in my life. And all I remember about having a babysitter was that she would crack her knuckles all the time. And she would tell me, cause I, I would like mimic her sometimes. And she would tell me, don't do that. Or you're going to get arthritis. And I didn't know what that meant. And so then I was like terrified to pop my knuckles. But then I felt like that again, that like, tell me not to do it. I'm probably going to do it. And now I can't pop, like, I don't pop my knuckles anymore, but I had a period of time where I pop my knuckles all the time. And it was because of that babysitter. Did you hear that headline about the person um, that cracked his neck and it caused a stroke? What? Yeah. I mean, okay. And I have to say, I've seen some people crack their neck and it is not okay. Like a chiropractor would tell you not to do that. It's too intense. Yeah. Like if you do like a little, okay. Some people take their head in their hands (laughs) and are basically ripping it off their neck. You're not the exercise. That seems unhealthy and in that case study didn't end well okay so so this isn't true it may gross you out when people pop their knuckles but experts at harvard conducted several studies that compared arthritis rates among people who never cracked their knuckles and those who had done it habitually for years and found no raised risk of arthritis um and of course it doesn't damage your knuckles at all nope no, so and I actually watched a video because I was this is a long time ago because I was so curious about this. Um, it's not impacting the bone; it creates like an air pocket bubble, and that is the pop you're hearing. Oh, so it's not like the bone hitting. Do people bone. get addicted to the sound? I think that it becomes it's satisfying. Somehow. I view it like an anxiety thing, almost like it's yeah, something yeah. to do. You keep your hands busy, and then but it I think becomes people routine. need that sound like they haven't completed the action until they hear that sound. Yeah, I mean, I think people have a lot of rit- ritualistic, habitual habits that relieve underlying anxiety, and this could be one of them. Like your thing you just said a while ago about biting. Yeah, yeah, no, because yeah. I'll bite the inside of my cheeks if I get really anxious. Um, I have an accident sometime, and it's horrible. Oh my god! On my tongue? No, no, I do it on accident. That is different. I draw blood on my own tongue. I'm like, oh, this is awkward. Now I have to leave this party because my mouth is full of blood. Yeah, no, that's completely different. Because <laughs> this is, it's very like methodical. It's like skin picking. Like yeah, if yeah, you have yeah. a scab, and so in your mouth, if you feel like a bump or like maybe you did bite your lip, and then there's like an inner yeah, part that's rough yeah that sort of thing and then sometimes you just keep biting but it's like a soft surface level it's like a little pinch not a like you bit through right, your cheek sort of thing. thing okay ready for the next one yes i love these cavemen lived in caves oh poorly titled let's unpack Okay. We need to define define cave people. Cave people. Thank you for peopling this. People um, that lived. There's in no such thing. A certain period of time. It's actually like an old-fashioned term that people use when referring to hunter gatherers and early farmers of the Stone Age. Okay, let's talk. Let's say Stone Age people. Right, and early farmers, whatever hunter gatherers. Yeah. Caves were certainly used um, during the Paleolithic era as burial spots. Cave walls were used for art artwork, and they were frequently cooked in. Um, there is evidence that caves were used as shelters during storms, but wild animals at this time would have been using those as shelter. So sleeping and living in the caves when a hyena or bear would probably be in there isn't like doesn't make sense. So Stone Age families actually lived in camps of what they called bender huts, 
which were huts of hazel wood bent into circles and covered in animal skins. Well, if you have a big group, I mean, yeah. the finding a cave that big, big are enough. very small. Yeah, because there's definitely benefits of being in a group in this setting. And by the end of the Stone Age, people were beginning to build larger wooden structures as like halls so they could congregate mm-hmm. together. So this whole caveman thing was was never not. I mean, they may have it painted in it, they may have buried, buried, they may have cooked food in it. But that's like we're animals. Ta-da. There you go. Open air is nice. You can see the stars. Yeah. You can see if danger's coming. Like, I don't want to be pitted against the back of a cave if there's a mountain lion at the front of my cave. You need exit routes. Exit Always strategy. know your exit routes. Exactly. We learned that in that, which was that uh, episode of the fire one, the my traumatizing oh, episode. Oh, God. Yes. The station house fire. Station house fire. No. You know your exits and get there quickly. I know. I, I can't. It's burned me in my brain. It's horrible. Okay, ready for the next one? Yes. The North Pole is on the north side of the planet. Oh, yeah. What does that even mean? And the <laughs> poles shift constantly. Yes. Yeah, so north isn't really north. So physics expert Raymond Surway and Chris Rule said a small bar magnet is said to have north and south poles, but it's more accurate to say it has a north seeking pole and a south seeking pole. By these expressions, we mean that if such a magnet is used as a compass, one end will seek a point to that north pole, one will seek a point to the south pole. We conclude that the geographical north pole of Earth corresponds to a magnetic south pole, and the geographic south pole actually corresponds to the magnetic North Pole. Mind blown. Well, they change all the time. They flip. Yeah. So it's like our poles are always flipping. Yeah. It's not. So when you say, oh, the North Pole, it's just here. It's you're now awakened. You now know that that what it means. Good morning. Good morning. You're awake. You ready? Mm-hmm. Watching TV too close to the screen is going to damage your eyes. Yeah, I got that a lot as a kid. Me too. Sit back. Get back. Don't yeah, sit, in, yeah. sit on the couch. Oh, okay. I got that a lot. Nope. You can sit as close as you want to. And according to vision experts at, at, at Will Vision and Laser Centers, watching the TV doesn't cause any permanent damage to your eyes whatsoever. The blue light coming out of the screen could cause eye strain, a temporary condition, but the blue light is going to affect your eyes in the exact same amount, regardless of where you sit. So, you know, get blue light filtering glasses if you really care. Um, otherwise, it's a lie. Okay. Okay. I'm going to get right up in there. Get right up in there. <laughs> well, so that's what I, like, if I'm playing video games, I have to be close. I don't know why. Like, I, my vision. You want to be in there. Yeah. I want to, like. I'm here. Yeah, immersive, like, like you're of, in the world. Call of Duty. I need to see that little head pop up over there, and I don't want to be worried about my eyesight. No, you don't have to be. I don't. Get right up in there. All right, ready? Yes. Humans have five senses. Okay, that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> How many do we have? We all learn that sight, sound, smell, touch, taste. Yeah is like, I mean, you learned that in elementary school, right? Well, we have nociception and uh, proprioception. So so that original theory of the five sentence actually goes back to Aristotle around 300 BC, but science is a bit advanced since then, believe it or not, like you're yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah. Experts are still debating the number. 
but most agree that humans have at least 10 senses. Ooh, and what are the others? I want to hear. And some claim that the number is as high as 22. I want them all. You do have them all. No, but I want to hone them and be aware. Harvard School of Medicine, for example, cites six additional senses to the original five, including the sense of balance. Appropriate, yeah. Mm-hmm. The sense of pain. Well, proprioception is your sense of your body and space. Yeah. A sense of pain and perception of time. So those are some additional, just as an example. But still, like, there is not yeah. a concrete number. Well, and because there's so much more that we're aware of that we're Oh, my gosh. Aware a connection of. to the seeker episode. It's true, though. About yeah. being, like, there's, there's so another levels of awareness. Yeah. And I really like this, just thinking about, like, if you're raising children, because the five senses is so limited in what it, it teaches limiting. it's very reactional versus yeah. being aware of your balance like that means a lot like oh, yeah. how, what does it feel like to be balanced how about understanding pain within yourself yeah. um and perception of time like that's cool i used to, be to aware do of. that as an exercise when i worked at the high school the job mm-hmm. that you had to yeah i used to like to um say i'm gonna set a timer for one minute you tell me when you think it's been one minute Oh, yes. And often like, so I do a similar ish one, not a where they have to smile for two minutes. And <laughs> it is literally the longest two minutes of their life because they have no people to have no idea what time feels right, like right, right. when they just focus on it. Yeah, absolutely. So I love this. It's fascinating. We should learn more about it. That's we what I'm should. saying. Yes. Okay. And if I could just learn how to move things with my mind, I would be satisfied. Yeah, sure. Can I not get that? Just that I don't understand why I can't do that. Sometimes if I watch a movie that has something like that in that, actually any anytime I go to a movie theater where there's something I like about it, like if there was like a nice like karate movie or a nice like movie where they get like superhero movie. Yeah, yeah. I walk out of the theater for a solid hour, like hoping that that happens to me. Like maybe... I will part the ways or like something cool. Something cool. Let me lift my phone out of my purse with my mind. (sighs) Tell me I've been doing better. Feel my pinky for my phone. It's not so um, divoted. Yeah. The divot's gone. One thing I've tried to do is when I do hold my phone, I balance it on the tip of my pinky when I Mm -hmm. do use it. So have you actually changed the behavior? Yeah. No, no, no. I have because I deleted (laughs) Facebook off of my phone. Oh my God. I have a whole thing. Are you okay? Are you upset right now? I'm upset. Is this the time or should I save it? No, let's do it. I do it. Remember how we're going to um, delete our podcast Facebook? I've been waiting for you to delete it. Well, guess what? You can't. Why? Because Mark Zuckerberg won't let you. It doesn't go away. Wait. Oh my gosh, that's right. Because I still own like my dad's Mercury Grill page from 10 years ago. So I I tried to delete the whole podcast page and group together. Like just. Yeah. No. Because he owns Instagram also. If you delete your Facebook page, it will delete your Instagram page. Wow, they that's strategic. They're fucking you. And so I'm like, well, can I just delete the group then? Yeah. No, you can only pause the group. 
Can we just indefinitely pause the group? So I paused the group, but the the Facebook page has to exist because I want to continue our Instagram presence. So I hate it so much. I was so mad. I hate that. Instagram used to be its own thing. It's control. I hate it. I don't like to be controlled in that way. Like, let me choose what I want to do. Well, and yeah. Yes. Like, I don't, we've spent three years building our Instagram presence. I don't want to start over just because of Mark Fuckerberg. Well, and you couldn't have an Instagram at that point. So we just have Podbean, which, but like people enjoy the other pieces of, I don't, thanks Facebook again. Um, Thanks Meta. Ew. Ew. What was that noise? <laughs> That's why is oh, because I never plugged my laptop in when I got here. Sorry. Oh my gosh, plug it in before everything dies. It's <laughs> chaos. Yeah. And sure I don't hurt things. Okay, maybe we're plugging in our laptop so we don't lose this whole podcast episode. We've right. done before and it was very sad. <laughs> we have three. Three lo- ghost episodes. Three ghost episodes that we put some heart and soul into and we never came back to because it doesn't feel authentic anymore. Right. It has to be real in the moment. <laughs> That's why we don't tell each other our topics ahead of time. Because yeah. or else there'd be like we'd be thinking about each other's topic ahead of time. Yeah. And it wouldn't be a fresh reaction. Yeah, like I want my world blown in one moment. I want a fresh reaction out of you. Thank you. You get it every time. So that's why I spit on you sometimes. <laughs> So, okay. Ready, ready, ready. Yes, I'm ready. Eating carrots will help. Oh, actually pause before we get to carrots. So yes, I deleted my Facebook off my page and I've used Facebook less enough to the point where there was like a drama thing. And I got notified about drama thing by like someone via, via mess, like messaging me on the side. And I hadn't even seen it. And it felt so nice. Cause I'm like, cause it was like FYI. And I'm like, Never even saw it. Cool. Yeah, unaffected. Unaffected. It feels so good to be unaffected to yeah, like not yeah. have instant emotions by what someone else does. Yeah. Ah, love it. Love okay. It Eating carrots will help your vision. Here we go. <laughs> not true. The scientists say like only if you really have a roundabout way of looking at things. So here we go. Vitamin A does help your eyesight. Carrots don't have any vitamin a oh damn it (laughs) but they do have beta carotene which the body converts into vitamin a okay other foods with beta carotene sweet potatoes kale spinach winter squash butternut squash apricots cantaloupe and even pumpkin pie eggs and milk are also a great source of vitamin a so it kind of gets pitched to you though as a kid like i remember this eat the carrots It'll help your it's vision. Your eyes, yeah. yeah, like that specific statement. No, definitely. But like your body has to do even an additional process to make that true. Where like you probably have to eat like foods along with it, you know? Yeah, but like other foods that have that, like there's a lot, like carrots. But Why it's not going to just like improve your eyes. Why have carrots gotten that rep? It's in, I don't know. Like some of these things, it's like, why? I know, I want the source. Who oh, started this rumor? It's a generation over here that I need answers from. I want to know. And I bet you they're just repeating what they heard. Inquiring. Well, then where did that come from? Okay. I want to trace it to its source and have words with that person. Exactly. They're probably dead. They're probably carrot farmers. They're probably gone. And they're like, I know how to market our carrots. Let's say it'll be good for your eyesight. Yeah. That'll sell our carrots. It'll sell it. 
Sorry, I'm not, I can't make accents. I don't know why I made that accent. Okay, here we go. Ready? Don't ever wake up sleepwalkers. Oh, because they'll like kill you. So they're not in any danger. This is actually like, it's better just to let them sleep if they're safe. Um, it has actually more to do with your safety. It's fairly common for sleepwalkers to attack the person waking them up. I'll be combative. Yeah. So confused. Yeah. So the na- confused. Like, where am I? Who are right, you? Right. The National Sleep Foundation recommends either gently turning them back in the direction of their bed or walking near them for a while to ensure they do not get into a car to drive off or do something that could be dangerous like that. Um, so you don't have to wake have them up. Walk? No. Yeah. I, have you talked to your sleep? I talk in my sleep all the time. Oh. I, I'm actually like very, I, I wake up in the middle of the night and I'll spout off what my dream was at random points in the night. I'm really, I am paranoid that I'm going to reveal some too much. So I don't like that idea. I, and I, I, yeah, I don't oftentimes I'm like, wait, what did I say? So yeah, I, this one dream I woke up with this morning, I was like in this fortress. I dream almost every night when I have like some anxiety in my life. Um, well, often multiple dreams. dreams. Pretty much, but not everybody remembers. Remembers. Yeah. yeah. So like I was in this like big mansion-y house and I had installed these big iron gates all around it. And so I had to press these buttons for these iron gates to pop up. And all of a sudden this pickup truck comes like coming and it just slams into the gate to try to break into it and it just like explodes and that was my dream I have like really weird messed up dreams constantly you we've covered some of my dreams on the oh I have very vivid dreams Stella yeah. started dreaming now oh. it's really interesting to hear because Her baby dreams when she's like first awake like she, she doesn't really understand like the difference what that between was. dream and reality Ooh, that's cool so yeah. you know this morning she was talking for like a long time about her it was a bad dream it was like about a spooky cat and yeah so I kept talking oh, about it cool. so I kept just trying to be like you're okay now you know I remember the you're first like, time now. My, it's hard yeah, like reality and dreams and fantasy when you're mm-hmm. little it's also jumbled Absolutely. I saw, so I went on a trip with friends once and they had a a little kiddo in the car and I was there for the first moment. He realized himself. (laughs) So he put his little hands in front of him and he moved one hand to the other and touched it and his eyes got big. (laughs) And then he moved this one and touched this hand. And it was just like this, oh my, like this awakening of the mind. Yeah, it's amazing. Okay. So like, it's not that you don't ever have to wake them up. It's more of like, you may get hit in the face if you do it. I don't really know any sleepwalkers. I don't really know any either, I'm actually, personally. That. Okay, dogs can only see in black and white. Oh, I've heard that. Mm-hmm. Is that not true? Not true. But, but, but so they're, they're capable of seeing the full color spectrum that humans can, but it isn't shades of gray. Dogs see colors more in like yellows, blues, and grays. Mm. So that made me think like, okay, like what toys are my dog's favorites? Blues and yellows. Because oh, the others just fade away. So, so think about this. How many dog toys are red? Like that's Why like a common, red? that's a common thing. And they don't like see that. That's really unfair. Right. 
So like get get yellow blue type dog toys. It'll, it'll pop out to them more. Um, your dog will also have about a 20 to 40% of humans visual acuity. So anything you can see in the distance is going to look pretty blurry to them. Mm. Um, but it's not downhill from them. Dogs see better in dimmer light and can detect any sort of movement or motion far better than us far away. Mm. So even though it's blurry, they can detect motion better than us. Got it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was pretty interesting. I, I had, I think I was on that black and white bandwagon, even though it's hard to think about that all the time. I've also always heard that dogs can only hear the vowel sounds of our speech. What? Yeah. Mm. I've always heard that. So for example, if you adopt a dog mm-hmm. and they have a name already, you want to rename them. It has to have the same vowel sound. So if it's, if you adopt a dog named Barney, you can rename I, it Arnie. I typed in, do gods only hear vowel sounds? And I got some weird stuff. Um, <laughs> That's something I've always heard. So if I was going to rename a dog, I always had to mimic the, make it rhyme, basically. Like the same vowels, but you could change the consonants. The dog's ability to hear vowels is likely only in connection to whether the vowel is connected to a hard or soft consonant and simple word, even that it may be the word and consonant that's getting the dog's attention. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. All right, here we go. We're on number 14, by the way, out of 19. Okay. Got a couple more to buckle in for. You can see the Great Wall of China from space. I never heard that. I've heard that. How do you know that? I guess I don't follow that feed. I mean, it's not a feed. Like, I remember being told this, like, in elementary school. Uh (laughs) Obviously (laughs) not a good one. So it's actually sort of true, but mostly not. According to NASA, visitors to the moon can expect to catch a glimpse of the Great Wall of China with a telescopic lens and zooming features. But you can't see it with your naked eye. So they can probably see lots of things that way. Probably. You can sometimes see the Great Wall in, like, low orbit, but at those heights, there's a lot of other things you can see too. <laughs> um, so the only thing you can see from the moon is a beautiful sphere, mostly white, some blue, patches of yellow, and then every once in a while, some green vegetation. No man-made object is visible at that scale in space. Yeah, I mean, it'd have to be huge. And that was actually from uh, the astronaut uh, Alan Bean, who was on Apollo 12. Go Alan Bean. Go Alan being why is this fighting me okay adam and eve ate an apple well i mean come on these aren't real people so so we see it all yeah it's but it's like a commonly depicted thing um but in most theologians at least at this point say that in the actual text it doesn't refer to a specific fruit so this is the the issue here Um, given that other geographical landmark reference that the fruit was likely a pomegranate or a fig. Well, we know pomegranates are super spiritual for Jews. Yeah. So, I mean, so to me, that makes more sense. Equal the amount of mitzvahs. Ah, So this makes sense that it's been kind of added as, you know, it became folklore basically at this point of spread over and over and over again. Do you like apples? No. I don't like apples. You know, I like dried apples. I like, yeah, I have a bag of dried apples on my counter right now. <laughs> I like dried apples. I like apple pie. I like apple pie. Like, put it in sugar, sure. I don't love, like, apples in and of themselves. Apples by themselves. Like, I'll take a bite. 
And then it probably sits there with a bite in it. If I'm super cold and it's in the snow, I will have some hot apple cider. Oh, sure. Yeah. Again. Offer to me, I will take it. But if you give me a hard apple, a hard apple that's not quite ripe or one that's mushy, like there's too much in between risk. I don't like Mm -hmm. mealy apples. No, no, no. Okay. Ready? I'm ready. That you have to wait 24 hours to report a missing person. Oh, you don't have to? No, like well, this blew my mind a little bit. Yes, they will. So, okay, here we go. Don't, In Spokane. don't wait is what actual emergency personnel would advise. Don't wait 24 hours. So here's the deal. They will probably say that, you know, someone may be coming home late from work or maybe they're at a friend's. Like they'll say that and say like, maybe give it some time. Mm-hmm. But that does not mean wait to report it. Oh, okay. I wouldn't wait. But are they going to take the report into it? They will. It? They are they going to investigate? They have. Are they going to do an APB? But would you rather them take the report or not? That's no, I'm saying I would call, but yeah. are they going to do anything? Yes, they will. They're going to. Yes, like this is actually by police. The New the New York Police Department actually stated that if you're worried about someone's safety, call the police immediately. Um, they can advise you on what to do next for that particular situation. And ultimately, like them getting involved at any point is sooner is well, better. In my topic, nine months later, the NYPD investigated. Agreed. And the brother put in Made the report a immediately. Yeah. And, and again, there's a lot of privilege that probably goes along with who's making the report. We definitely will say that. So um yes so they say there's a world of difference between reports that someone coming home home from a date isn't back on time and someone who's like coming back home from meeting with someone who's habitually abused them or made them feel scared for their safety and isn't responding to contact if it's out of pattern yeah it should immediately be investigated well and that's kind of what they're saying is like don't just because i have heard this too like wait you have to wait 24 hours okay they're actually saying like that's not true we may if you call us and it sounds like you should give it some time we'll tell you that that doesn't mean we don't report that you've called us and gave us a concerning thing we'll have that info there when we need it um but we may also say this is really urgent we do need to get on it right now so don't just put it off because you've heard that statement okay me if you if i'm supposed to be somewhere and you haven't heard from me something's wrong which is why (laughs) like immediately when you and I were texting and you stopped texting me that was when you got your hair attacked but in the woods and I knew it I sensed it it wasn't just my hair it was my body I messaged you multiple times but do you remember my check-ins I don't don't remember of me messaging you I know and being beat up I messaged you and I was like dot 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 are you there Something fell off and I felt it. And then we're mid-convo. We were mid-convo and you but you had told me I'm gonna be at this place taking yeah, yeah, my lunch yeah. break and we were chatting and then you just disappeared. And it felt like oh, I can't explain it. I felt like something was wrong. It was very wrong. And then I get a phone call. <laughs> okay. Down by the river. Are you ready for the next one? Yes. Penguins are monogamous. I never heard that. I've heard it. I've heard penguins are good dads. Yeah, I've heard that. Which they are. I mean, they they try. So 
I have heard this for like they have their partner for their whole life. Um, research shows that while many penguin species are monogamous during mating season, they generally find a new mate each year. So like, oh God. so oh. they're, so their statement about being monogamous has more to do with during mating season. They're loyal to that penguin for that period of time. So then they can produce some blah, blah, blah. And then when mating season changes, they change partners. So the, in addition, while many males tend to stick with their female friends for the season, female penguins are actually known to have up to three partners each season. So the females even have multiple partners at a time. And some males are chosen by up to two females. So the New York Times even tested the DNA of penguins in captivity and found that 20% of the time female penguins strayed from their long-term partners. I think it's really time to throw out outdated um, visions of penguin relationships. Of monogamous, like, penguin. like they, they find their soulmate. Like, I think the idea of a soulmate should probably be tossed out in general. You can be close. You can be friends. You can have long-term commitments. You can be a great penguin dad. You make great, great penguin dad. But ultimately that idea of one then done forever is not true with penguins. All right. You ready for the next one? Yes. You only use 10% of your brain. <laughs> we only have one more after this. <laughs> have you heard this? Uh, I've heard it. I've heard, I don't know about 10%, but like, yeah, like we're not really, because we aren't conscious of a vast part of what's going on. So the, the concept it's is not that we don't use it. We're just not conscious of it. But yeah. So they're saying that like the rest of your brain is just kind of sitting there doing nothing. Um, that's not true. Actually, your yeah, yeah. whole brain is being used consistently to keep you alive. So I think this like it's kind of meant in like a mental in, like trying to put overvaluing intellectual intellectual ability mm. whatever of making that be really important uh, but your brain serves a lot of functions about just keeping you alive and functioning that matter yes and those never stop and you are using all of your brain to do that and i really when i was covering that sid vicious story about his overdose death mm -hmm. like i never really fully understood like how people die from a heroin overdose mm -hmm. and it was explained to me in one of the documentaries I watched like the heroin actually makes those parts of your brain that control breathing shut down and that's yes. why you yes. asphyxiate yes. asphyxiate and yes. I never really like put that together I always mm -hmm. thought the asphyxiation was related to your vomiting and your choking. Mm -mm. And so that really that part down in your brain. It really made body. a lot more sense to me. Absolutely. Um, I swear like teaching a substance use class taught me so much. So like the ones where people have to come in because they had a DUI and it's on the wrist eight hour training. I had to learn so much information to teach that class, <laughs> but things like that, it's, it's fascinating. So one neurologist, Barry Gordon at John Hopkins uh, School of Medicine said, it turns out that we use virtually every part of the brain and that most of the brain is active all of the time. Yeah, I don't doubt it. 
So I think that statement does just come from a like, ooh, we could solve and figure out things and use our brains more. Like only maybe our executive functioning they're looking at, but like, okay, that doesn't mean the rest of your brain can turn off what it's doing to then think problems better. Yeah. It's breathing. It's just trying to get you to not asphyxiate. We only have a bit that's conscious. Mostly our brain processes are, are largely unconscious. So that's probably where that comes from. So how about you swallow seven spiders a year? I've heard that. Yeah, this is our last one. So I can't. This is a lie. It's a lie. it's a lie. It's a lie. Scientific American reported that while most North American spider homes have three or four spiders living in them, spiders would not want to go near your bed as it offers no prey, first of all. That's a fucking um, lie. If you have bed I've bugs. I've had so many spiders in my bed. Pause. Pause. Unless you have bed bugs. Do you remember? The, oh, bed bugs. Excuse me. Do you remember that whole debacle we had about that plant? A bed bug. Any bugs in your bed? Okay, but there's there's a stigma. So can we just clarify? I did not have bed bugs. Okay, we. Can I clarify. had a bug. Okay, in my bed. You had a bug in your bed because you have a plant near your bed that had a bug that probably makes spiders want to crawl in your bed. If you had bed bugs, that's even more food. I'm not saying you had it. I'm just I saying. did not have <laughs> Okay, so I have had large spiders in my bed many a time. Okay, so aside, okay, but pause here too. You have a bed that's flat on the floor. You're asking. For also, it. I have a goal of getting an actual bed this year prior to spider spider season. Spider, high five. Okay. I'm gonna do it. Do it. Honestly, I felt the same way. I lived in, I don't remember where it was at, but I had a mattress on the floor and I, same thing, more spiders. It's just like in the past, you know, they're like trying to get somewhere else. Or they like to cuddle. No, no, these ones, the giant ass, like this big spiders spiders Mm -mm. are always right where my feet are under the cover. No, no, no. Cause it's like dark and no, no, no. Raise your bed up. You won't have it. So so when you raise your bed up, also get the spider sticky stuff. And then I put that right under my bed and it does, it catches them. Mine never have spiders in them. Yeah. All right. So also spiders don't want to crawl in your mouth and wait to die. So the likelihood of this quick drink, maybe no, the likelihood of this happening ever in your life is like barely above zero what but any chance of that is too much of so stop worrying about it stop worrying about it because ultimately like they're not thirsty they're not coming to eat your saliva spiders don't just sit there to but drink very water thirsty, though no they eat bugs and drain their fluids well here's what i don't want to happen i don't want to wake up in the middle of the night chewing on that something. doesn't happen that's and what you're saying. I realize no. I'm chomping on a no. three-inch wolf no. spider. No. And then I have to basically burn my house down. I just don't want to. I don't think that would happen. <laughs> that's not going to happen. Okay, good. All right. Well, that's my topic. Um, if you didn't check out our last podcast, it's called Sub Pop Incest, and we talked about Eastern State Psychiatric Hospital and the Sid Vicious and Nancy Spungen story. Until next time. Get your dog blue and yellow toys. Yeah, blue, yellow toys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, call the police. 
right away and don't wait. Get on them. If they're not following up, make them follow up. Get on that shit. Do it. Bye.